0: When you think of sound, you think of music, what were some of those early influences, whether are movies or experiences, oh, that, that really caught your attention to listen in differently?
1: You know, I think I'm a bit of a cliche as far as the, the post process of filmmaking. I'm, I'm, I'm a reflection of my generation and it's it's very much Spielberg films mm-hmm. and, and maybe you know, a few Lucas films um, that uh, just as a, as a kid and a, as a filmgoer. That I started to recognize those elements, mm-hmm. and um, I got into, um, and again, I'm probably uh, a type. I'm probably not sounding that unique, but uh, you know, I'm from the original generation that when uh, Star Wars first came out, and uh, there was no way to see it again after it left the theaters, yeah. and so all you had was. Uh, the radio plays that you heard done by it, or you, you could buy an album that was just all the uh, the soundtrack, uh, uh, like the actual uh, like sound effects mm-hmm. and audio of the film. I, I'm sure a lot of people know exactly the album I'm talking yeah. about. And my friends and I, we were so hungry to go to this, see that movie again when we couldn't, we, we would recreate scenes from it and use that album. And mm. that was, a, I'm very conscious of that put me very present in to and aware of just the sound effects layer uh and and the and the audio layer of the film because that's all i had was yeah, yeah. that album and it's very strange to like jump to like 2007 and um and i you know, be between six and eight and i was working with ben burt who like was Directly responsible for that, you know, those that a lot of those sounds I heard on that album Mm -hmm. and to be working with him Yeah, and just to have that come full circle was was very profound for me
0: Well, how was it that even for Wally that you know, it's a it's a scene that it's silent It's just Wally's sound. What was it about that approach that you wanted to do for even something like that?
1: Well, it's funny. I never pictured and I still don't, Wally as a silent movie. I, and maybe that's just people don't mean it intentionally sure. when they use that term.
0: Well, there's no dialogue, I guess, or
1: there's no. Yeah, I have I picture it as, a, see, it's not even that. I, yeah. I pictured it as a foreign movie to everybody. <laughs> like, I, what I enjoy, uh, I found myself being you know, a cinephile, and just going, look at, I, I only wanna see, if I'm gonna see a foreign film, I'm gonna see it with subtitles. I wanna hear the inflections. I wanna hear the intonations that the actual actor is giving in the film. And I, and, cause I feel it conveys so much even though I don't know exactly what they're saying. Mm. And I, I would probably even prefer to see that if the subtitles weren't on it. Mm-hmm. And so I felt, could you make a film that's basically a language that nobody understands, but will convey all that you need to emotionally. Mm. So to me, it was all, it was very dependent on this made-up dialogue, which was basically sound effects. And that's why the only person I thought I could go to to help me do that was Ben Burt, because he had basically done that with R two D two.
0: What was the point for you when you heard the sounds of Wally that you could understand the emotion of the character when the visuals and the sound came together?
1: It was a. It was a chicken and egg thing, mm-hmm. because you'd go in with like, could you find sounds that do this? And that didn't work for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is that he, Ben would just play, and this was for about a year, and I would come see him about once or twice a week. And then it was like a Rorschach test, but for the ear. And I would just go, you know what? That sound there to me mm-hmm. sounds like uh, somebody that's kind of got regret. And when we would put that in a bucket, mm. And uh, and we slowly started to form a language. So it was it was twofold. It was coming up with what do they sound like, just so I can tell the difference between these different characters. But then what are their languages? And it was a very slow going, selective process. And then out of that, we would have these buckets of about twenty or thirty phrases that mm. were just sounds that they all had a different kind of response emotionally. Mm. And then it was hunt and peck with my editor to like form sentences with them when we were trying to tell scenes and it was just such a process of trial and error. It was crazy making.
0: And then also you're collaborating with someone like Thomas Newman. Yes. And yes. you did that in Wally and you've done that in Nemo. Yeah.
1: And I think Thomas, uh, I've had a lot of time to, to, um, think about it and reflect on it because it's our third picture mm-hmm. and he and I never talk, uh, to, uh, sh- uh to surface, we we get intellectual and we get deep very quickly. It's just sort of where we like to to converse, mm-hmm. and um and we've had a little bit of time self reflecting together on 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 why we we kind of marry well, you know, my movies and his his music and. He can't do anything simple. It has to had has to have layers. It has to have complexity to it. And I think I'm the same with uh, anything that I'm writing. I, I want it to 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 have a lot of contradiction a lot of conflict a lot of controversy a lot of um a, a lot of uh diversity just I, I just feel like life is gray it's not black and white and i think he's he he tries to capture the same thing in his music so you just gain so much uh beauty uh but like but like complex beauty like the the beauty and sadness with his stuff and i and i i I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it's, uh, he does all the functions of a great composer that you would expect, but just the quality of what he delivers is just so deep. It's like, it's like the richest meal. And, um, and it, it just in a weird way, I get away with a lot more than people think I'm doing with my stories because I got, I have his music on it.
0: So when you are writing, you're in that mindset of coming up with your story when you do need to go somewhere and you do listen to music, yeah what does that do to your writing process well because i started out
1: more of my life being a fan of movies and going to them than making them um i became a soundtrack geek very early on i think it like started, ones? started with star wars okay like everybody else yeah, yeah, yeah. and then i think i had jaws i had rocky and then it did it just i remember i had lord of the rings they're mm-hmm. talking about the backseat yep. version um close encounters uh, uh star trek and uh i just remember having a it it, it just then i I just it was endless Mm -hmm. and it became quite a a a a soundtrack aficionado and i found when i fell into writing which was much later i didn't i didn't start writing and take myself uh, seriously as a writer until i was about 27.
0: what was the change for
1: you well that was because i was working on toy story and it was out of necessity yeah and getting to kind of work firsthand with uh, Josh Whedon for about a year and a half, and see how it's done, and it kind of demystified the process mm-hmm. for me because I was really bad in school at English, and I got bad grades, and I never saw myself. I thought writing was for smart people. And so, um, I, I when I ran into that, I realized, oh, it to me writing movies or screenplays is basically cinematic dictation. Once I realized, yeah. oh, you're just transcribing the movie you already see in your head. Well, that I can do. Mm -hmm. So and that I had been doing for a while. So what I would I do and I still do is I create basically playlists or fake soundtracks to the movie that's in my head. So I'm listening already to this illusion of a finished movie. Um, and it, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hunting and pecking so that, 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 that playlist is always changing, but it eventually becomes this sort of definitive thing that I just put on and I can just be in the movie and track emotionally how I want to do things. And, uh, I know it's, it's probably a laborious step that other people probably find a, find a waste of time. But for me, it gets me into the zone
0: Mm. for you when you are, I guess, looking for moments of intimacy, Mm Mm-hmm silence, uh, mm-hmm. to create space in your characters or the moment. H- how do you find sound helps?
1: Well, it's, to me, it's the, it's the absence is, is just as important as, as there being sound, you, you need the lull for, for there to suddenly appreciate the, the, the loud or the, or the, 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 um, the energetic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm fortunate that I've also, uh, grew up as an amateur musician. I, my, my mother was very musical. There was a lot of music in our house, and I'm, all my friends played instruments and stuff. So uh, the whole uh, instinct for song structure and, and mm. verse and chorus and bridge, all those things were, were, were things that just come instinctually to me, and I still I kind of interpret things musically or rhythmically first before I intellectualize them, I was always that guy that like never listened to the lyrics, but always listened to the music. And you could find out that the m- song was about an axe murder, and I didn't know yeah, that yeah. for like years. And it's uh, it's still how I work with one uh, of and, and I and um, most of the editors that I've worked with are m- either musicians themselves or they're f- big music fans, and and I find a real affinity with them because. Um, that has to be working more for me than anything. It's the, just this this natural, this natural flow of, of, of rises and falls and, and quiet and loud and, and quiet and noisy, you know.
0: Awesome. Um, when you just talk about this, you have this relationship with Thomas Newman. Yeah. You also have a relationship with your sound team at Skywalker Sound, people like Michael Siman, Nicky, yeah. Tim Nielsen. What is that like to go back to those guys when you get to that stage and there's that collaboration?
1: They're so good that I just feel like most of my time is just spent um just adjusting you know small things in a in a room that where they've done the bulk of the build, the building of the furniture the placing of the furniture they're they're so good at it. there's a method that I found I liked that that we ended up doing on Wally and that's Wally was the first time I worked with Semantic. Mm-hmm. and God bless him. He was very uh, open-minded about letting me work. I think it took, an, even though I'd been in mixes since Toy Story, since 95, um, while it was really my second picture where I had kind of the power to run the mix room any way I'd want to, and and I found myself asking, could I just, like at lunch, like, how bad would it be if we just went back and we played the reels just so that we only listened to music and dialogue? Mm. And then... We would play the reel again and just listen to the sound effects because to me that's the way my brain works like to me the important thing that's holding the heartbeat of the movie is how you're feeling and that's determined by the music and what people are saying Mm. and so to me like you should be able to watch a whole movie with just those two tracks. Now that's not to dismiss sound effects and say they're not important but I think they really are in service to those other two and there are many moments many, if not more, where the story is completely dependent on the sound effects to tell it. But as far as the why, like the why I'm telling it, it's the emotion. And that to me is the music and the dialogue. So I he was all for it. He said, sure, let's do it. And and what I found that step did not just for me, was it made everybody in the room, because it's kind of like the uh, bridge of the enterprise when you're in the mix, you know, it's like there's- the, there's It has a similar there's look, There's Kirk's yeah, yeah. chair, and then there's Spock, and there's Sulu, and there's a and like everybody's kind of, it literally is that. And I find that when you do that process of just playing the reel back with just music and dialogue, and everybody suddenly sees the movie that you're trying to make, mm-hmm. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Everybody gets in sync and sees what you've been trying to do. Right. And then when we play back the sound effects uh, only, everybody suddenly is as smart as I need them to be to understand what's in the way and what's ne- what we need more of. What is,
0: that makes, that makes sense. I was gonna ask, what, what is your language when you describe sound? Some people describe with color. What's yeah, yours? Um, I mean, you have a musician background. I, here, so. I'm also,
1: but I'm also an animator, so I probably right. go to, I probably embarrassingly go to cartoon land too much. Okay. You know, that's sort of like, you know, something like Fred Flintstone's feet or like mm. something, or a, a, like a doinky sound, or a, or I'll use like a Mad Libs, or I mean, a, like a Don Martin kind of Mad right. Magazine kind of term or something. Um, but I also will go very um, emotional. Also, like, I need something that just kind of, uh, grabs the intensity of you know I'll, I'll use these very abstract emotional terms all the time
0: nice talk to me about the phase when whether it's early in storyboard mode or when you're down at disney with doc kane and you're working through the script you're working through ideas how is it how do you describe your process of working with actors and kind of the, the is there improv improvisation is there exploration
1: it's that's that's the luxury and the privilege that you should take advantage of mm-hmm. when you're doing these recording sessions because there's really you none of it's going to make it to the screen unless you cut it and put it in there so you, you should try anything you can it ends up being more about time management okay but at the time when you're in there
0: it's also a reflection of the um, the the uh, actor um, well someone like Ellen DeGeneres yeah I mean I can't imagine that does, can you run them too long if they do get tired that yeah you see a dip well again I, I, ellen is very
1: smart very professional and very precise and okay. so and also we had so many lines with her that there wasn't a lot of room to just go run and play okay so but we have no problem and she didn't either to just sort of stop and go wait a minute this isn't going to be funny unless we maybe take rephrase it this way or does this make any sense there wasn't a ton of that okay. I mean that the one advantage we have with Ellen is that we've always written with her in mind and when a sequel you definitely have that advantage with a lot of characters mm-hmm. so you're kind of close to the bullseye already in these recording sessions with the newer characters um, it's definitely the first one or two sessions are basically trying to explore uh, and, and find out what's the fit yeah because people you know maybe not realize that you know we spend years with these actors and we do these scenes over and over again it's if anybody has a theatrical background there's a term called workshopping Mm. where you get together with the playwright you kind of put a couple chairs on the stage and you get the actors and you just start trying to walk through it, knowing it that out, you're yeah. gonna, and you, that's gonna, it's more to inform the playwright to rewrite. Yeah. And that's what I described to the actors. These recording sessions are gonna be, they're just gonna be workshops, but well, we're gonna be back doing these scenes again and again. So don't get too married to it. Don't make it, don't think we don't know what we're doing just cause we're coming back six months later and doing mm-hmm. the scene again. And so um, you just really try to just maximize your time because you only have them for four hours and you're probably not gonna see them again for a couple months. Yeah. Um, so there's a, it's 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 a lot of play at the in the front end and then and then just a lot of just like getting it done uh, on the back end.
0: How has that change for you as you go through different projects, different films? How, the process of spending time with actors. How, how was it when you, early on for Toy Story, or? Uh,
1: well, yeah, Toy, Toy Story. It's funny. I found a videotape that I had secretly brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the home movie camera, with our f- second or third session with Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. and I snuck it in. And I was in the booth with Doc Kane, and I, and we filmed, and I filmed us recording stuff. And so, and so much of it is, we look so young, but we also are all behind the glass in the booth. And we learned, I think, by the second or third film to like just get into the room, and it, so that you're as close to the actor and making it as loose, and it's not this voice of God coming from behind the glass, all, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's like the it's like it's like getting away from video village in a live action shoot and just getting as close to the actors you can without getting in the shot and just being there for them and paying attention yeah. and you can bounce off back and forth with them and that's something i've learned that i like doing in the last two or three pictures that i've done is i actually now find myself going behind the glass with a mic mm-hmm. and with headphones and acting with the actor and and kind of improv with them to get different kinds of performances to get a back and forth going it's the equivalent of like just getting a, a rhythm of takes going Looping in a live it, action yeah. sense and I um, uh, and I really enjoy that and they really enjoy that I get very different performances that way
0: how do you find the energy that you bring to them is it's good yeah. it's good
1: you know, I I'll always find like they're going to reflect whatever energy you throw at them so if you want them to be bigger you got to be bigger if you yeah. want to be quiet you bring it down so it's it, it, it really is this lead and follow that's that's it's fun.
0: Yeah. When you were going out in some of the early uh, trips that you guys did, I guess long beach aquarium or Monterey Bay aquarium, yeah. not only what do you see, but what are you hearing? What do you remember? What sticks with you on those trips?
1: Uh, people, <laughs> <laughs> you just hear all the people around it's you, pretty but there is thing. a serenity. There is a serenity to even that's even maybe, um, an illusion in your head when you're watching fish in a tank and when you're, or it, it, there is a calming, right? Cause it water is very rhythmic, mm-hmm. especially if it's the ocean, but even in a tank, even in, an, in, a, in a, something like a, a aquarium exhibit with other people around, everybody gets a little bit quieter. It's a little bit more of a library setting. It's mm-hmm. not like Disneyland. Yeah. And, um, and there's something about that, that I think is a enticing, abstract experience that that becomes a good challenge for everybody involved but particularly the composer and the sound mixers to try and kind of capture
0: what did you find in terms of you know like for wally people say well there's no sound in space yeah when you're underwater it's a very i mean you can interpret it however you want yeah what was your interpretation of how you wanted the underwater world to sound well um
1: I never really questioned how they got the sound. So I, 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 to this day, after two pictures, I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. they've done or how literal their sounds are for the environment when we're underwater. All I know is that they, they've succeeded tremendously in making me feel like how I want to feel when I'm underwater, which is not, it's not always a nice thing. I mean, to me, I, cause I grew up along the ocean, um, the ocean is a big, scary thing that must be respected, and that. And I remember as a kid going under the water with my mask on, and you couldn't see too far, and you anything could be out there past your arm's reach, and you wouldn't know it, it's just yeah. floating there, and it could be right behind you, and you don't know it and so to me it was equally as beautiful and scary at the same time well if you're listening to jaws soundtrack it's not going to
0: help you there. no i know and it really did and it looks like and that, that, that that soundtrack did affect a lot of people it would yeah that music yeah. cue was a character that it's a lot of low
1: it's a lot of lows a lot of a lot of um low register stuff going yeah. on that uh, it's very subtle and uh and you you want you want this you want this unsettling sense of tension or 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 subtle threat at all times mm-hmm. i mean that was what i wanted for Nemo. i wanted to be i was very reactionary to the lion king i felt like the circle of life was just too pat and 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 i didn't like it i i wanted i said i think i i, I was very uh so smitten with Bambi as a young child and and I felt it played by the real rules of nature, which was means it can be harsh It can be predatory. It can can give life. It can take life And I wanted to make a movie that played with those rules and I I wanted you to Feel as tense as you really would be if you were in the ocean Whether you were a fish or a human through all of new so that there would be tension at all times There would be risk at all times and um, and hopefully that's still transferred over to the second movie.
0: I think one of the characters, no matter what age you are, when you hear the voice of Bruce, yeah. a character like Bruce, yeah, it's it's kind of you like, oh, that that I would expect that voice. That I would expect that character. <laughs> so what is it? What is it about when you are doing the voice casting that it does click? Is it about the performance? Is it about the tonality? is it? Well,
1: I always say that, you know, there's a, everybody knows the term, the camera loves them for people that are photogenic. I think there are people where the microphone loves them Mm -hmm. and there are people that have voices that you can't forget and they have a way of speaking that you hang on their every word. And sometimes it's their, their manner of speaking or, or the quality of their speech or both. There are many great actors that I will pay to go watch. Yeah but if you separate that and I'm just listening to them, I'm bored. And that's not where their strength is. Mm-hmm. And there are other actors where maybe uh, you wouldn't even recognize their name, but you listen to them and you can't stop. And those are the people that I'm always, I think brings up uh, the, the animator in me and, and other people that work here. And, uh, you, and, you, and you just wanna hang a great character on their voice. And uh, so that's always what I'm looking for in
0: in that. What was it about Ellen's voice that initially made the...
1: Well, she was unique because I wasn't looking for her. Um, I was in the middle of writing Nemo. Uh, I knew I wanted a character to guide Marlin across the ocean. I was being a stupid, typical male and thought it should be a guy, Mm. helping a guy. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I read a fact that a goldfish has a memory of three seconds, so I thought, oh, short-term memory loss would be hilarious, but all I was doing was making this character repeat themselves again and again, sure. and after two or three scenes, that was annoying. Yeah. And I was real in real writer's block, and this is 1999, and the, Ellen was in a sitcom called The Ellen Show in the 90s then, mm-hmm. and it was on in the background, and I heard her, and out of the peripheral of my ear, change the subject five times in one sentence, <laughs> and I realized that was, that was the way into short-term memory loss, and then I couldn't get her exact voice out of my head, and then I couldn't stop thinking about her, and I knew I shouldn't write for that because what if she says no? But it helped me so much, and I ended up, and I thought, why can't it be a female fish helping a guy fish? Let's make it platonic. Let's break that trope, mm. and um, it Dory just became Ellen in my first draft. They were they were they were inseparable, yeah. and uh, so I was screwed if she didn't take it. You know, and I just lucked out. But but I've never written with an actor in mind like that ever since. I mean, what you because we write early and often, right? We end up adapting all our characters and roles to the voices that yeah, we yeah, get. Yeah. But I never came out of the gate like that, uh, except for with Ellen.
0: So what what is it like going into a film again or into this world again, knowing that there's new characters? Where is the bar in your mind in terms of where you want it, uh, the tonality of or the, the the excitement level?
1: Well, you. I mean, this may sound simplistic, but I just hope that like you, the, the picture could go off mm-hmm. and you'd be able to track who's talking. Like, like nobody, a radio play. No, yeah, nobody sounds the same. And you want that on every level. You'd like the sound to go off, and visually that would happen as well. So it's not just, it, it, you just want on every level, uh, things are, are communicating as clearly and as specifically as, as possible.
0: Nice. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. This is sure. a pleasure. I I find that Pixar has many different different approaches to process. Yeah, and when it comes to sound and music, I feel like you guys handle it just as, as important as.
1: Oh, we do. I mean, in fact, I think we uh, we've always we've said this ever since I think Toy Story. We always wish that every single one of our movies could be released with just being able to separate the music track and the sound effects track, and just people get people to watch the movies with just those tracks playing and appreciate all the work that mm-hmm. really gets done by an amazing army of of talented artists and technicians nice yeah thank you
0: so much thank
1: you this is fun